Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today we have on with us David Richards. David is a number one international best-selling author, a life coach, a yoga instructor, and a self-development speaker. David is also a veteran who served 15 years on active duty, rising to the rank of major in the Marines. And now David blends elements of yoga and quantum physics to bring the esoteric together with the practical for a truly unique perspective on how the mind works. David, we are so excited to have you. So excited to talk to you guys. Based on, like I saw the I read through the questions twice and then I really got into like the wrong 20s thing and I was like awesome like I love I love what I've learned from young women because you guys are such incredible teachers oh my god means so much no I'm, I'm so excited like I was like do I change shirts because like I just taught yoga right over there like no no no, no it's, it's just, just audio. audio you don't have to worry about look like cool. a headstand while you're talking yep. it's gonna be fine it's going to be great. <laughs> we I have might. I questions might. lined up for you. We, we were looking through your, your, your packet and all that. So we're like, wow, he is so cool. <laughs> right. How are we going to fit this all I into know. one episode? But we're going to try. Let's like, if we need to come back, like I would love, I, I cannot tell, I, I wrote my folks and I said this, I love these questions. Oh. Thank you so much, Reagan. It was a reality because, like I said, I'm not like I've learned so much from like not only how beautiful women are structurally as they compose themselves, which mm-hmm. is very much like an internal process. And I read a great, great quote today, and it was like, "A woman simply is; a man must become." And you realize a lot of that's because wow. you are natural nurturers because of the maternal instinct. Yeah. But in the way like society has evolved, now you're becoming more of a, a force, like in society. Like, and that's what Kamala Harris's like nomination represents is like this force. And you know, I I appreciate the passion of someone like AOC because mm-hmm. like, like this is everybody's supposed to have a fair shot. And if you say, like, if you look at affordable health care and you're like, well, that's a socialist thing. Like, we're the government, we're paying the money to the government so the government can create some kind of crappy health care system. Well, yeah, because otherwise, like, how much of America can't afford health care exactly. and so perpetually is sick and so perpetually can't get educated and doesn't have the same opportunities? Yeah. And you're like, well, maybe all affordable health care makes sense for like five or 10 years. Exactly. Yeah, it's all Definitely. a cycle. Yeah, I like that quote a lot. Yeah, me too. Sitting We're going to post it somewhere and we'll, we'll share for you. <laughs> I, will, um, I, will, I will send it. Well, because it's, it's by like, I, don't, I think her name's Camille Rogers or something. But okay. like, I'll send it to you because I loved it. Like my, my social media person was like, hey, next week we're talking about masculinity and creating spaces. Where's some quotes? Ooh. And I just think about masculinity because like. That's a topic. I realized, yeah, like I realized growing up in the military, like I have such a different view of masculinity because like I had, like I had people who killed and saw their friends die as my neighbors. And though they never like talked, like my dad only talked about Vietnam twice, but he talked about it with tears in his eyes both times. And my dad was like the rock without the muscles. Like he was yeah. just like fighting for his life like a day and a half after he got into Vietnam and still had like 12 and a half months to go. And so, and, and, and part of the real, realization for me, I blog posted on this last week was like, I was born 18 months after he got back. So like 
whatever he was experiencing as a human from what he'd seen from writing letters home to people saying, I'm sorry, your son's not coming back. Mm. That was in him mm. when I was created. So I, re- I appreciate like, you know, I wrote something in my latest blog post. I'm waiting for my admin to tell me if it makes sense or not. But it was like, <laughs> by, the time I be- by-, by the time I became an active duty Marine, I loved what the Marines were but I hated that I was still in the military because I'd been in the military my entire life and I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to get out of it because I didn't think like I could be a good enough writer Mm -hmm. because I didn't know, like, because you're so, you're almost in your own, like I said, your your own universe. Yeah. Yeah, You don't know that like people spend all the time going to target or, but like, or you just, Uh, you're doing things out in town because like everything you need Everything you need is on the base. Yeah. You can go get sh- clothes on base. You don't have to pay tax because why would the government like charge you to pay tax when they're the ones yeah. who pay your paycheck in the first place? So like there's all these benefits to sh- living in your own universe. Mm-hmm. And when you start to step outside that, you appreciate like, wow, people don't talk about like stuff that military people talk about sometimes. Yeah. Like I remember when I came out of corporate America, like I was in my job for like three months. So I came out of the Marines, went to lunch with some people and we're coming back from lunch, just going up the stairs. And I leaned over the guy and talking to I'm like man I gotta take a shit and <laughs> in the marines that's a normal conversation I right. tell my boss hey boss I gotta go to the head because that's what we call it in the military right and I don't know like I don't know what the but like I gotta go to the head I'll, I'll talk to you afterwards okay whatever and the guy looked at me and he's like keep it to yourself oh. and I was like holy shit people don't talk to like, like, yeah, this- like it's, yeah and it's like oh my gosh this is the new world and so I like I used to sort of joke that it took me about five or six years of being out of the Marines mm-hmm. where I stopped comparing like what I knew, or, like what was happening in my life to what I knew in the military. That's But so, in some ways, like all of Yeah. That is just like a metaphor for like such a bigger thing is like, we only know what we know. Yep. Yeah. And until you <laughs> take the time to open your mind or your world to other things, like mm-hmm. you can't know. And that's not necessarily like your fault, or, but your job is to, to look outside of Definitely. yourself. Yeah. yeah. And what you mentioned earlier on, David, about um, social media is so interesting, especially in this circumstance, because I think that having access to all these different mediums, hearing people's thoughts and all this stuff allows us by hit by hitting the follow button to anyone, we're exposed right, to their access. stream of thinking, which yeah. could be either really similar and aligned with our beliefs or totally different. So I'm curious with everything you've mentioned with being a Marine, how do you overall, how did this shape your experience? How did this shape who you are today, would you say? probably a longer yeah no and it's honestly I've been wrestling with it because like I said my daughter's 22 I and her mom divorced early Mm -hmm. and part because subconsciously I didn't want her to go through what I had gone through which was moving all the time so we divorced in California the Marines moved me to Virginia and then I finished my career like you know six or seven years later because I was like this is not what I want to do but in the meantime, they had moved to Texas, but she had like a relatively stable growth, you know, use. It was just like we would visit three or four times a year. And in some ways, I'm grateful for that. But it also came at a cost with our relationship because I didn't see everything that a dad sees when he's there all the time. Oh, yeah. So in some ways, like even though like she struggles with stuff and like she's going through a breakup, but like we were talking about it. I'm like, well, you know, it's going to get better. And she's like, dad, I know. 
And I'm like, oh, she knows that. Because, like, I didn't really piece it together. Like, that stuff always gets better, you know, until a few years ago. And that was because I did some real deep soul searching because, like, I couldn't, I couldn't find stability that I had never had in my life because I didn't know how to look for it. And, like, so when you talk about how it shaped my experience, in some ways, in some ways it's cool because it toughens you up. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the military is all about. And that's mm-hmm. like why, you know, I used to look at like how, how the Marine Corps did things. Like we always used to move. Well, like I have friends of mine who they grew up together, even though their dads were both Marines and even though their dads sometimes went somewhere, but they like grew up here in North Carolina since like fourth grade until we graduated high school together. And that created more stability for them. And it conversely, it created less stability mm-hmm. for me, which in some ways was good because it, I could be more creative and I'm like a very creative person. But in other ways, like I didn't know how to sustain relationships mm-hmm. outside of my family because I never had to because right. there was no social media. If, if we're best friends and it's third grade and then suddenly we get orders because my dad is moving to Japan, you know, we live in Virginia or whatever. The only chance I really have of seeing you again is if your parents get stationed somewhere my parents you know, my dad goes wow. yeah. and that happened like that happened like once or twice. Yeah. But like, so I didn't, I didn't appreciate like, and I, I and I like, it's, I'm not saying it's super bleak because I have friends, like some of my best friends are like guys from high school and we don't like, we used to talk every week and then the pandemic hit and kind of slowed down a little bit, but like, but we're like, we're lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. But in intimate relationships, it was like, I, I didn't base a relationship on like how much we had in common. Mm-hmm. or how like like how cool like I could see a relationship evolving yeah I based it on how much time do I have left before I move oh wow. and how like how stable can I get this relationship wow. to try and take with me and sometimes it'd be like nine months I, I have like nine months left at a duty station and like I'm like I'm, I'm like in my 30s or like or late 20s so like whereas my daughter, going back to my daughter, has the emotional maturity to be like, Dad, I know like when a breakup hits, it sucks. And then it's always better because you learn lessons and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, that didn't pick up for me until recently, like when I really yeah. started getting back into writing. Yeah. So that's why I say like in some ways you guys are so much smarter because those skills and those innate things to kind of get closer to identifying who you really are sooner yeah. are more readily available to you. And I think in some ways it's it's not the all parents of my generation came out and said like, let's do this for our kids because we all have all our own wants and needs. But like, you see how technology evolves. And, you know, I sometimes, you know, I used to follow like thousands of people mm-hmm. on Instagram and it was like, Oh, I like what this guy's saying. I like what this guy's saying. And my, my social media person was like, don't follow anybody who isn't like, you're not engaging with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I never thought about that. Uh-huh. So, like, I'm following yeah. 3,000 people or something. (laughs) Instagram locked me out. Clouding your mind. It is. Yeah. So like, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. That's why I'm like, that's why I hired someone. Cause she's like, well, we can post or I can post for you. I'm like, well, we post for me until I figure out like. <laughs> how this how is kind of working. Yeah. But I think like to, to kind of bring it all home, your life shapes your experience to the point that you reflect on your life. Mm-hmm. And so like, and I think a lot of times, you know, like I'm not, I live with friends of mine. And it's not like I make good money, but I know my life is about to become this great adventure because I know like what's coming out of my next book is this mm-hmm. beautiful story that a lot of people I, I'm pretty confident are going to want to read. And so it's like, it's not that I, like I've owned houses before. I've 
been married before. But right now it's just like, I want to experience the world. Like I, I have this wow. fire in me that I, I feel almost like someone who's like kind of coming into their own independence. And part of it's because I've realized like I've forgiven myself for kind of trying to tear myself apart mm-hmm. while being in the military, while loving something that I was and hating that I was still doing that. And it was this wow. weird kind of combination, but it took me, I mean, it's taken me like the better part of my life to really reconcile that. And it's not, I don't look at my life as like, oh my gosh, I'm 51. Like, oh, like I look at my life as just starting. And I realized that's like the I beauty love that. and power of life is like your choice. What is your choice? What do you choose to focus on? Yeah. And like, it depends, like if you believe like in, you know, whatever you believe spiritually, like I've certainly gotten bigger spiritually while also being able to talk like about military history. I know there are a lot of people who don't have a, bring those two things together right. that's like, why you're so cool <laughs> oh well, thank you thank you well it's, it's so cool like i talked to this guy last week uh this magazine sand which is a men's magazine i think i haven't heard of it but it, it sounds west coast because it's just a cool like sand oh uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's like how do men create healthy spaces at work or like at home and, that's a really good question and we talked it kind of evolved really quickly into sacred spaces hmm. well what's a sacred space well we a lot of us i think at least identify church as a sacred space or a synagogue or um, a mosque. And it certainly is. Like, that's why they, we see the crescent or the cross or whatever those are. But, like, that doesn't mean you can't have a sacred space at home. And, mm. like, I have yoga goddesses. That's how they refer to themselves. And I understand why. Because, like, they have this beautiful contact with nature because every woman is born of nature like that's what nature is creation and women are creation and so like i remember like i remember i went into someone's house and like we owned a studio together we we owned a yoga studio together here in north carolina and then like i gave up my interest in it i went to her house one time and i hadn't seen her like in a few months and as soon as i walked in it was just like oh oh you just felt it it's so important. Yeah, I was like, why do I, I'm like, why do I feel like that? And I realized, like, she's got an altar. She burns incense. She has candles. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'm going to have an altar. And like, I did, and, like, I wrote about it in my thing. I'm like, I have a statue of Leonidas, the king of Sparta. If you ever saw the movie 300, that's a really glory, glorified interpretation of right. what happened. But it's also very true. Like, a thousand Spartans yeah. and Greeks stopped a million Persians at this place called Thermopylae. Mm-hmm. And like he did it in the name of love, basically, wow. because that was kind of the Spartan way. And he's not a god to me, but I, I recognize that that is the father of Western warfare. Like that is what I learned. And yeah. like, I got two master's degrees in the military. And one of those was becoming like what we used to call Jedi Knights. Mm-hmm. because like these guys you like you would learn you learn warfare you like you learn the yeah. theory of war and people don't think there's a theory of war but there is this guy Clausewitz wrote it there's these, there's a kind of a western theory and there's an eastern theory like yeah. Sun Tzu the art of war but you bring those together and you see like you can start to understand if you study history like how the east and west kind of met and clashed and like how Vietnam was a war, but it was also like this understanding of how different cultures fought. That's and that's why like it was, you know, the, there was a threat of communism, but it was really like, how did the Chinese react? You know, they built railroads here and we like killed people. And and now it's like we're coming to their world. You know, yeah. partly it was Japan in World War Two, but we helped China kind of in, in World War Two from what I remember. But it's like you see how things are coming together and you have to like if you if you are willing to take that journey and for me a military guy, like becoming a Jedi Knight and being able to help people fight more effectively, not with the intent to kill people more effectively, but to like minimize 
killing as much as possible and still accomplish what you want to accomplish. Like that was a very powerful thing to me. Like I remember, uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away, but like I was, I was, my last assignment was in Miami supporting Central America and South America. And we had to do a plan on if Fidel Castro died. Like we had a plan, but we had to do another one on like, because it looked like he really might die. And we could see this mass exodus from Cuba and like the Eastern coast would be yeah. you know, flooded with refugees. And so we had to kind of look at this plan. So like I was the Marine representative to this joint effort. And what I mean by joint is there are people from the Navy there because obviously the Navy is going to be involved with Cuba since it's ocean, we're separated by ocean. The Air Force is there, the Army was there, the Marines were there. And this guy, this Army officer was leading the thing and the arm, so the, the Marine Corps school is called the School of Advanced Warfighting. And that's what they produce Jedi Knights with. The Army has a similar that's a cool name. I know, what a cool name. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah like, we had a buzzsaw with like the logo. And it was, it was yeah. but, like, we, like we had, we had Supreme Court justices come talk to us. We had like guys who had written books on like detailed things on World War II that nobody's ever heard of talk to us. <laughs> it was super, super cool. Yeah. So, um, so I leaned over to the guy leading this effort to review this plan. And I'm like, hey, did you go to SAMS, which is the, the acronym for the Army School? And he's like, no, did you? And I'm like, yeah, I went to SAW, the Marine Corps thing. And it was like, if you ever saw the first Star Wars, like the original Star Wars, when Obi-Wan Kenobi turns his lightsaber on in the cantina, uh -huh. and people were like, whoa, and he like chopped that creature's arm off. And people were like, what was that? <laughs> and then they like stand there for a second. Like, that is exactly what happened. Like, I said, yes. I'm a, like, I'm a Jedi Knight. And this guy like pushed back from the table. He's like, really? <laughs> and it was like, and so like, and I'm like, listen, like, I don't have all the answers. I'm just here to make sure that we get to where we need to get to. And it's a really hard concept for people to understand is like, I don't know what the outcome is. Like basically what, what we were taught is like, I'll know when we get there. And I'll know if we're yes. running behind on something because we've gone down like this detour. So that's like part of a gift. And you have to figure out, well, how to make that gift work. And so yes. for like healthy spaces, for sacred spaces for me, like my altar is part of my faith is there. Like I have a Buddha statue. I have a, I have an amethyst crystal, like this kind of cathedral that has a cross at the top of it because that's part of my belief. I've got this statue of, you know, this bust of this Greek soldier from 2,500 years ago. And then like, I've got like rings that I wear that are really precious to me. I'm like, I've got a ring from the Roman legion that occupied Egypt, like during Marcus Aurelius's time. And like- My favorite person. Cause that's what's important. Cause that's who I am. Like that's what's important to me. And, yeah. but part of the, part of the journey is, you know, in the West, particularly we've kind of we're hard on ourselves because like the country's not even 250 years old yet mm -hmm. and yet like people still want to come here because wow. i can say the president's been over his head and no one's going to come take That's me away yeah. you'll never see me right like i can say that at the same time our president can say like people are nasty or ugly and some people are like yeah he's right and some people are like how can like the guy who's supposed to lead the free world talk that way yeah but that's like but that's part of what makes democracy. It's part of like, you know, democracy is both messy and beautiful. Yep. And until you like, when you realize that such a small percentage of the population serves in the military and gets that perspective, yeah. you realize you kind of have a responsibility to like, not just say like, here's what I did in Somalia, but like, here's what I think you should know about the rest of the world. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, like, oh, that's every, like, yeah, like we like could never not, even begin to relate or understand half of that stuff. And no. like, it's an honor to get to talk to you and for you to share your story and what you do with like, your speaking and your writing and, and, and educate people because yeah. like, how else would we know?
It's exactly. And that's what's so cool about being able to talk to people like you is that we learn from other people's experiences and sometimes they align and you're like, oh my gosh, me too. And then other times you're like, whoa, like that gave me totally, such a different right, perspective. Totally different perspective. Yeah. And you are so, and this is not like, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but I think this is what a lot of people think often when it comes to men and especially men that are in the Marines or in, you know, positions of any sort of enforcement or stuff like that is all about that toughness. And I think men in general yep. definitely have this idea of, you right, know, well, needing to be toxic, you know, masculine. exactly. So I'm curious, how did you kind of what made you transition from everything with the Marines to kind of accepting this, I guess, like softer side of you and spiritual? And, and spiritual. Yeah, like yeah. all those things. How did that kind of work? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It was very kind of organic. And by that, I mean, I got out and came to my parents' house in North Carolina, partly because the company I was going to work for was based five miles from where they lived. So it was good. I was going to be up in West or in Virginia, near Virginia Beach, which again, Navy town because there's a huge naval fleet there. And so it's kind of like, oh, I didn't really, it was like, oh, I'll spend as much time here as I can. Mm-hmm. So I read like an article in Sports Illustrated about football players using like yoga to strengthen their midsections. And to be fair, like, you know, I, so I spent three years in Japan as a kid from fifth through seventh grade. I lived in Okinawa, Japan. And there like seeing one, like being on a base, but realizing like every time you stepped off base, no one looked like you. And in kind of a sense, like kind of going back to what I had said before about not really appreciating like people in Maryland might not like my dad or us because we were in the military. I had a better sense of that in Japan because like we were the minority. Like, right. It didn't matter that we had like all the guns because Japan's been pacifist for 75 years. Like we were the like strangers and it wasn't like people weren't hostile, but you realize it, it took me a while to appreciate like I'm a visitor here. Like this isn't my, this isn't my world. This is where we live. And so, but what I took from that was like the beauty of Japanese culture, like seeing how they treated their dead and like the honor and like, you know, that Japanese soldiers would kill themselves if they had just honored themselves in World War II. And like, you think that it's fanatical, but you realize, well, no, it's just a different definition of honor. To you, honor means, well, I'm not going to lie. But to them, it's like, if I don't do what I have sworn to do, then I am disgraced myself. And so the only recourse I have is to do this. And so like, as a kid, again, like, you know, I don't know what was going, and that was the kind of the biggest wake up for me was like, I didn't really have a sense of what was going back, back here in the States, because like, we got stuff six months later, like when movies came out, Empire Strikes, you know, to keep the Star Wars theme, Empire Strikes Back came out in 1981, and we weren't going to see it. Like, it came out in November or something, and we wouldn't have been able to see it until, like, March or April, but it was playing in a Japanese theater, Mm -hmm. and so my brother and I went to go see it, and it was, like, subtitled in Japanese, so it was English, so, like, we found out, like, oh, my gosh, what and then like and that's the other thing too like people didn't watch you know it's kind of like i still feel that sense of adventure like when i watch avengers movies because i grew up on comic books because that was part of my creative outlet so so part of that like i took with me like and i would listen to weird like sort of what we consider now like spiritual like yoga like i listened to this guy kitaro who was like a japanese artist like music musician but it was like very sort of almost meditative and like my friends were listening to like in excess and I did too like I got into like heavy metal like Motley Crue and like Ozzy and Kiss but I'd also listen to the, the stuff and they'd be like what are you doing like, <laughs> no, no, no. What, what the, 
Like, what is that? <laughs> and so I always had this, like, I used to meditate when I was, like, 18 or 19. Like, I didn't know, know my, none of my friends were doing that back then because I did it, like, I used to collect swords because I liked King Arthur. Like, supposedly Robin Hood was a better swordsman than he was Archer, even though the movies are always about archery. So I had, like, swords. And I would sometimes, like, just bring a sword down and, like, set the sword down in front of me and meditate. I'm like, you know, because I was trying to, in some way, I think, like, what does it mean to mm. like be be a warrior? Like, what does that really mean? Yeah. And you're right. Like, so many people think yeah. it's like I'll I'll bash your skull in. And there's a part of that is because in order for you to do what you might have to do in the military, you have to expose yourself to like an uh, kind of a primal side of yourself because like you have. It's not that you have to learn hate, but you want to learn like you have to like to sometimes do what you might have to do. You have to be tough. Yeah. And that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. A lot of it is like heavy, angry music for some people. And it's like you've seen um, The Hurt Locker, that movie with the Hawkeye from The Avengers, like where he's a bomb disposal guy. Like they get back from one of their things and they start wrestling with each other, which is because like the, the amazing thing that so few people understand about combat is it gets you closest to living because death is so close. And so in some ways, like you're so present mm. because like I remember talking to people about, hey, like, I remember like this guy was, I think in the first Gulf War and he said he remembers like a mortar shell coming in from like an enemy, yeah. but it's slowing down, like time slowing down enough so he could see the mortar shell. Cause those things travel like 70, 80 miles an hour yeah. and you shouldn't be able to see it. But he remembers, he said, I remember so clearly seeing it. And you're like, when you feel that rush, I have a very good friend of mine from high school who's, uh, he was in the Marines, went into the army and is now a diplomat from the state department. And like, he was in Iraq during the first Gulf war and he had like a big, like he had a big responsibility and they put a price on his head. And like one of his guys got killed and like, like they had to fight out of ambush. Like he had a security detail with him because he had an important job. And like, I remember he went to Australia, like after that with his family and we're talking and he's like, ah, I want to get back to Iraq because like, in some ways you don't understand like when you like when you get clear on what's important in life even in combat which is right in front of you but you, you it's this kind of awakening and yeah. it's hard work to do that outside of something like combat yeah. which is why people come back from wars and like want to go riding in a motorcycle 100 miles an hour down the street mm -hmm. so that's a long way of getting to i took my first yoga class like four or five days after I got out, you know, after I got out of active duty, and and it was like it was so peaceful because it kind of filled my mind, and I realized like it, it something it was something like I'd never kind of found meditation, you know, that's what I was going for. But like I would go to class, and this beautiful woman who was teaching it was a woman that I ended up like owning a studio with, and like I just got calm, and I never felt that in the military because like I would talk like I would talk to a best friend of mine, like or the guy next to me, and he would tell me about like how he put a knife in someone's throat because the guy tried to detonate a grenade wow. and you're like yeah and so like how do you communicate to society that that happened and that guy saved some lives but now he has to deal with the fact that he put a knife through someone's throat and yeah. sprayed the guy's blood all over him to save lives wow. and he would talk about like in in very plain detail how he and his wife had a, a, a defensive plan for their apartment and they lived like in a beautiful apartment in fort lauderdale Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is how this guy now sees the world. And he went back to Iraq. And you die, yeah, if that's your situation. Yeah, yeah. So in some ways, it was this relief. But the other piece that was really big for me was like, it was also helped me like become coming into the civilian world. Because like, I'll never be a civilian because I'm a veteran. Right. But 
I'm in this world now. And so it's like, holy crap, like sort of helped things are different here. Like, yeah, people, yeah. yeah it, was, it was huge. It was, it was almost like, and I don't want to say I had PTSD because I, I could function, but it was almost like I didn't realize how dramatic a shift it was been. It had been not just because I was leaving active duty, but because I was leaving the military. And that was something I'd never done in my yeah, entire and that's, life. That's probably up. also was a really big piece of, we talk about identity a lot on this podcast and, you know, that idea that although, of course, this will always be a big part of you and a piece of your life that has shaped you tremendously, I'm sure that not being there any longer did take a little shift on your identity. And okay, well, what do I kind of do now? You know, um, yeah, I feel like that's the question like yeah. that most from people in our age group of like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out like, who I am. And sometimes we tie that so much to our profession. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but who are we outside of that? And how do we figure that out? How do we get there? Exactly. Yeah. And you have offered like, oh my goodness, so, so much, much stuff already. We wanted to sure. turn ears a little bit. We know that you are big on mastering your mind, right? You know, learning yeah. to master your mind. So why do you believe this in, This is important? And do you have any advice for someone in, anyone, but you know, maybe in, in their 20s who's looking to master their mind, but like doesn't really know where to start? They want to start living intentionally? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's, I wrote an article a couple weeks back or maybe last week for this yoga magazine in the UK and they wanted to like they wanted me to talk about how quantum physics and yoga come together because that's something I've said like in my bio and I think you guys probably saw it yes and you know part of it is we all like we we all kind of ask ourselves who am I yeah and part of that is like well you've got to ask yourself who you want to be right. like who do I want to be because like if you don't if you're like who am I then you're like you're kind of like fumbling through life and you're like well who am I I like oh I like dating like these people or oh I like playing this well, let me go try this and the reality is that why mastering the mind is so important because who you are and who you want to be are interrelated because what you're doing at any moment is shaping who you are and so if you don't have a roadmap for who you want to be, then what you're doing doesn't really matter because yeah. you're kind of going about it the wrong way. And yeah. so when I talk about reflection yoga and quantum physics, it's kind of like the reality is that this moment right now is the only moment that exists. Like it's not to say that the world's going to end tomorrow, but like this is the most important moment in your life. And so it's like, how do I spend that time? Well, for me, especially during the pandemic and especially because like I pay, I pay rent, like I help out around the house and stuff, but like I know I'm directing my focus globally now. Like I yeah. know I'm going through a spiritual awakening and like it's, okay, so how do I synthesize that? How do I make that something that people can relate to? And you get to a point where you realize, well, it's this is the most beautiful moment. Even though I want something, like I've got a plan for my life and like the book I'm writing on has been this beautiful journey that like I never thought I would take. And it, it's bringing me so much love and like, it's kind of, it's, it's sort of this true story, but it's like this world changing thing where like true love really exists. And there's like two people on the planet made for each other who haven't even met yet. Mm. And, and you realize like, that's, that's part of the journey that you have to take. And we, we want to like, who am I? And so we bounce it off other people mm -hmm. because we're a good friend. You're either going to tell me something I want to hear <laughs> or something I don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and it's because we're good friends, it's like, oh man, gosh, I guess that's true. Or it's like, oh, that's good to know that I'm on the right track. Yeah, but the reality is who you are is an inside job. And oh, yeah. so many people externalize it. And that's like when like when this guy like when we started talking about sacred spaces for men, I was like, 
if I told my friends that now, and then like, and these guys respect, but they would be like, wow. Like I, I told a buddy of mine, his son just started the Naval Academy and it didn't really dawn on me until it was writing one of my blogs. I'm like, your son and I are brothers now. It's like, we've taken the same oath to support and defend each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the first friend of mine who's never served in the military, who's, who now is like a, a relative to me because I can explain to him, here's what your son's going to experience. And his son's going to give him his own perception of what's happening. But you're like, that's part of what I can provide to people who are making that transition because like most, most people think the relationship between the military and civilians, like, oh, hey, thank you for your service. And that's very nice. But it's like, what do I have to tell you? Because it's not like, because we often think that, well, my opinion is more important than what truth is. And that's why we have a president who kind of says the stuff that he says. But it's like, if I can tell you something about history and, and make you see that it's relevant to today, even if I use fiction, because fiction is its own kind of history, then, then I'm providing you something that you're not going to get because you don't have a warrior's perspective of the world kind of uh, and, and we can talk into quantum physics but it's like a, it's an inside job and like you have to do the dirty work to be like you know what i have every one of us has screwed up in our lives it doesn't matter how good you have it you've thought badly about someone you've wished ill on someone mm. you've wished ill on yourself yeah and those are things that in some way you have to reconcile and like your life your life is telling you a message it's just a question of do you have the courage to listen Ooh. and ultimately you have to have that courage <laughs> it just comes down to like when do you do it in life do you do it early do you do it when you're 70 and you think like oh my god i know i'm gonna die because like my my body's doing whatever well then what do you really believe like what do you believe happens when you die do you believe that's it and you just vanish or do you believe something else because like the more and more research suggests that like even though we live in a physical world we're we are three separate individuals yeah. But I'm energy vibrating most of my atoms and therefore most of your atoms are like 99% space and 1% matter. Mm. And like, well, how can I exist as this entity and still be vibrating at this frequency? And that's when you go and you realize when I go back to like the partner that I owned a yoga studio with and going into her house, the reason I feel this calm is because that's the energy and vibration she's created. Yes. And that's something that's very real. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> that's quantum physics. That's, that's quantum physics. Like energy, that's all quantum physics is. Yeah. And there's a great book I would encourage. If you, if you, wanna, if you have the courage now as a yeah. young woman to start that journey, Dr. Joe Dispenza has written a beautiful book called mm. uh, Becoming Love. Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, so I've done those meditations and I've had like, I've had mystical experiences. I've had what I would consider religious experiences. It has opened my mind on, like it's opened my third eye. Like I, I listened to the heavy metal band tool, the progressive metal band tool. Like they kind of got me into the third eye because like they were the first band that was really super cerebral. Like they have sacred geometry. They do like their music in certain like the rhythms or whatever, like seven beats or whatever, which is really distinct. Like their last album, which just went gold, I think was like all in seven beats or seven times and they have like this really intricate take and you talk to these guys and they're intelligent people like the lead singer owns his own winery he fronts three bands wow. and you're like if 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 guys like this or if like jack canfield who wrote the chicken soup for the soul books hmm. like if guys like this can do like talk about sacred geometry and what it means like and that we're not like this physical presence or something else hmm. and then i can talk to jack canfield like a mastermind i do with him and he's like oh yeah i did the past life regression and I was a Roman legionnaire, legionnaire. And this is a guy who sold 500 million books telling me that he's lived 2,000 or 1,500 years ago. Yeah. 
I'm like, yeah, I, I believe that because if you realize what consciousness is, the reason why so many people are stuck in the past or the present is because they've let their, their consciousness drift. What consciousness is, is really just this energy that you collect. And the more attention you give to that, the more conscious you become. But that's how like you sort of pull yourself, you organize yourself through time and space until you get to, okay, this is who I am. Mm -hmm. This is the message that I want to share. Yeah. And that's when like life really starts to unfold because then you're actually like, if you've heard of synchronicities and stuff like that, where like you're seeing 12, 12 or 11, 11 on the clock, you start seeing that stuff more. Mm -hmm. And then you start realizing, wow, there's something to this. Like there is, a, there's like Tony Robbins often talks about like life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. For us. <laughs> and if you look, if you look at life that way, yeah. And there's a lesson in life. Well, if, if there's a lesson in life, like, why did this happen to me? Oh, I learned a lesson now. And that's kind of the education I got from my 22-year-old daughter is like, yeah, I know stuff's bad, but then it gets better because that's how life works. And it's like, well, if there's a lesson to be learned, then it sort of sounds like not that life is scripted, but there is a plan to life, which suggests like the universe or the you know intelligent design or God or whatever is trying to communicate with you. And like the more you tune in, the more you're like, oh, yeah, there's like I have a presence in my life that feels very divine and spiritual to me. And like, I'm not ashamed to say that because I've been practicing yoga for 14 years or 13 years. I know, I believe like there's more to this physical world we live because yeah. like like this isn't just a flake like the, the, so i want to share something radical with you guys so we talk like we talk about the big bang being explosion right right i said and I, and someone I, I was talking to a lawyer friend of mine she's like that's already out there I'm like well, i've never heard it but i'm like what if the big bang was an orgasm because you think about like earth is the only planet we know of that was impregnated with life for lack of a better term, mm. like every we've you know we we've seen like amoebas or microbes on Mars, but we don't know if they lived. They may have just ended up there because of a comet or meteorite. Mm. But like this is the only place where life really works. And when you start to see like that, wow, there's really you know there's good in the world, but there's also bad in the world. But it always seems like good always wins. Nazis didn't win World War II, like even though the Amazon show said they did, like or whatever. Like good prevailed more or less. Like the Soviets were bad for a while, but they got better. And now they're kind of like, eh. yeah. but like the world isn't generally as bad a place as it was. The pandemic pandemic hits and you're like, well, okay, if life happens for us, what's the message in a global pandemic? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but like you start to see that there's a relationship and a harmony to life. And that's what nature and like human nature is, is yeah. this beautiful relationship. That's kind of the yin and yang. And you can say it's good and evil, but it's just different. It's just different facets of it. And like, you know, I know a lot of a lot of men don't want to go down that path because it feels like when I first started teaching yoga, there weren't a lot of male instructors <laughs> yeah. because it's viewed as a very feminine thing. And it's not like I'm going to say, well, I was a Marine and I'll beat you up if you know you say something bad about me being a yoga teacher. But it's like, I don't need to go down that path. Like, I know what I am inside. Yes. Yes. And like, that's like, that's the I have to accept me. I don't have to accept, like, I don't have to have anybody else accept me. Like, that's the, that's the that's journey it. of a woman simply is a man must become or a man must become what they really are inside. Yeah. Oh, wow. You are awesome. I just want everybody to hear that. And it's like something that we've been talking about, I feel like, so much, especially in the past couple of weeks, which makes this all align really well, like what you were saying before about seeing 11-11. Like, I, I feel like people are, are, we've been talking about this so much, like people yeah. are so comfortable. They're so scared to like do the work mm -hmm. and ask the questions. Who are you? Who do you want to be? And like, what is it going to take to get there? But I see so many people around us just being so lazy so comfortable and it's like y y you're missing out like you can live such a deeper 
more full life. And yeah. it's like, why, why wouldn't you? Yeah. And like, I think some people oh. like don't, don't fully know that it's po- like, that it's possible. They I think don't. it sounds too good to be true almost. It's like, right. Cause the, the parts of asking yourself hard questions can feel uncomfortable, but the reward is so much greater right. than the risk. And you might have to face some skeletons in the closet yeah. as you do that. But it's so ultimately so powerful. And I know right now, David, that our listeners are like, how can I start to think more like this person? <laughs> so we're curious. Do you have any daily rituals or routines that you incorporate into your into your life? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I'll, I'll share it kind of as, as much as I can. Um, so yeah. in the morning, I usually get up around five. And um, before I set foot out of bed, say, I love my life. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I step, and I just started doing this a couple weeks back, but I stepped my right foot out of bed. The reason I do that is because in the Marines, you always use your left foot first. And I'm left-handed, like I write left-handed, I I play sports right-handed, but like I've always been mindful of that. And so I didn't want to step with my military foot because it's like, I'm not, I'm peaceful now. Like in my my own heart, I'm peaceful because I've made peace with myself. And so I step out and then I get something to drink. I brush my teeth. I have, if I'm not going to the gym, uh, I have jewelry that I put on. So I have crystals that I wear. And like one is they're from a wonderful website that again, Tony Robbins introduced me to, but I have affirmations that I say when I put them on, it's about, you know, I'm protected by, I'm covered by protective energy. I am worthy. My heart is open. I am love. I am light. And those like, I have two bracelets here. This is my loved one. This is my worthy. The black is the energy. The white is the um, light. And, uh, and I kind of ground myself. I'm like, you know, I, today is a beautiful day. Like this is, this is the only thing that matters is right now. Like I know I have this journey of love that I want to embark on. And I know like I'm building that life because the more I get the better I get at reflection, presence, and future visualization, the more I create the life that I want. Like that's all, all we want is ultimately the life we want. And so many people attribute that to, well, I want more stuff. Well, great, but that is never going to replace what you're going to find inside. And like, that's the beauty. Like I spend hours sometimes just like sitting out back on this deck because it's this beautiful copse of trees. And I realize like, I, I like, I don't bring my phone. I just, I just like let my mind go. And people don't want to do that today nope. because it's like, <laughs> they don't. I, I got, I'm too busy. I get too much stuff to do. Well, like yeah. how important is your life to you? Cause you think your life is like all these friends and all these things that you, you have FOMO or whatever. Like the only thing you're missing out on is who you are as a person and who you can be when you take control of your life. Tell them, David. Tell them. <laughs> Tell them. So, so, and sometimes like I say, like I've got a love letter on my altar and that's part of like, you know, so I'll, I'll say a sign of prayer to that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, she's always in my heart. And, uh, and then at night, um, before I go to bed, I get down on my knees and I just thank my creator, like for the lessons I learned today, because I realized like I learn lessons every single day. And like, like I, I'm so glad, not that I wouldn't have, but I was so glad to like sit down and give you guys like three minutes of attention before my yoga class. So I could really process what this was going to be because like this to me is like the most important podcast I've done. And I've probably done like 50 by now and it's like because you guys like but you guys are like the energy and the direction of the future of history and it's not like or the future of her story because like because you see like how talented and it's not even like like i think men especially in the military like you're sort of groomed to appreciate physical beauty and part of that is because you can't you're not supposed to have relationships with other marines who are female like you're not supposed and and 
same goes for gays. Like you can't, you're not supposed to be in relationships because it's not necessarily good for morale. And there's ways around it. Like if you're close to the rank and stuff, but like you, so you learn to appreciate physical beauty. Well, it's the bond that you create as brothers and sisters in the military. You start to learn there's more to it than that. And you appreciate physical beauty because, but you also appreciate like what you're really seeing is not only how beautiful that person is as a, as a, another living creature on the planet, but when you really appreciate how beautiful everyone is, mm. then you're really appreciating the beauty inside yourself. Yeah. And like most men don't have the courage to make that departure. Like yeah. I still have friends who text me pictures of beautiful women and it's like, oh, look at her. And I'm like, yeah, like, and I get it. Some people make a living. Like there are people who have 20 million followers or Kim Kardashian, you know, and yeah. I think I don't know a lot about her, but I get the sense that she's starting to take like a moral character more. I, I don't know, but there are women who are, have total followers just because of their physical beauty and like that's fine but when you really start to get to know like my favorite people to talk to are women because like if we can have real deep meaningful conversations that i can only have with like three or four of my guy friends and it's right. because like totally. those are the guys who are starting to listen to tony robbins or like ask me about meditation yeah i'm like i'm not like i'm not anything special like i'm just i, I just got to the point where i was so tired of repeating like a lesson in my life until i'm like okay i am the lesson what do I need to learn about myself? Like and that. and then I started peeling back to the onion and like, you know what? It was hard. I cried sometimes. Yep. But <laughs> oh, like yeah. I like I am a fucking warrior and I am here because like I love the people that I have served for, you know, a good part of my life. Oh my wow. god. David, I need to connect you with my dad. You guys are gonna be best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't you think they would fall in oh love? My god. <laughs> you guys would you guys be, would be best, best friends. friends. Like we've had yeah. it on the podcast twice now. So you just would be just the best friends yeah. ever. I'll connect you guys. Sure. But um David, we just have three more questions for you before we let you go. Yeah. But oh, you have to come right. back because we have so much more to discuss. So much. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but quickly tell us about your books. Tell us a little bit maybe about the new book if you could give us a sneak peek. Uh, and where can people find your stuff? <laughs> Yeah. So Whiskey and Yoga, I released it three years ago. It's about finding your purpose in life. It's a quick read. You can read it probably like in a day. It's just kind of quick snippets on like, if you don't ask yourself the question relative to what your life's purpose is, you're going to get a smaller answer. Like if you're like, what's the purpose of me doing this job? Well, you're going to get an answer. But if you if you ask the question, you're going to start to go down a thread. And yeah, it's sometimes hard. But like when you start to understand your life's purpose, it, it's like beautiful because like you want to give to people. It's not about like, I don't need, I want, I'm not, I want money. Like I want to share, hey, here's what I figured out about life that if I can save people like 10 or 15 or 20 years, like through my learning. And it's not like I, you know, I somehow suffered at the time, but you like when you come away with what the lessons are you're like this is amazing like i'm so happy so that's that's that book uh the the lighthouse keeper has become i i didn't i, I wasn't planning on writing like i was going to kind of stay self-help and the lighthouse keeper is self-help but it's a fiction book and i had the idea once in a yoga class where i talked to my friends about or my you know students about yoga and i'm like you know your awareness is a lighthouse and your mind is an ocean and most people go through their life and just let the lighthouse go around to whatever their path is you know, not consciously directing it, but if you practice meditation, you practice focus, willpower, you can start to direct that lighthouse to where you want it to go. And that's the first step that we all need to take. And I'm not like, I'm not being arrogant, but you absolutely have to take control of your mind if you want to create the life that you really want for yourself. Absolutely. So uh, the third book is, um, I was going to call it Being B-E-I-N-G, How to Win the Game of Your Life. And so I started writing it like, I wasn't ready because I, I broke, I, I got out of a relationship in October and I knew like I kind of had my daughter's wisdom by that point, like, 
this is really going to hurt because I really, really tried hard because I was still kind of grappling with the military thing and how to stabilize the relationship and stabilize myself. But I know it's going to be really good on the other side. And so it was just an idea then. I decided to enter like a crowdfunding campaign in February. Like I didn't even have an outline or anything. I just came up with a video that I had to do. And it was the idea, this, this whole idea of being was like who you are is more important than what you do. And so I was going to do a conventional book and I started typing it. Like I did this mastermind with Jack Canfield and like, and we talked about it. It was kind of surreal because the lighthouse keeper was coming out right when the pandemic hit, like when, right when everybody's shutting down. And I was with like Jack Canfield for this mastermind. And it's for, for those of you who don't know what a mastermind is, it's like where you spend time with someone who's had success like Jack Canfield has, and they share with you what they think of your book, your idea. And so like I was in one sense, I was the only person who said, hey, I've got a book out now coming out like in a week or two, but I'm kind of done with that because like I'm done marketing. And then I've got this other book that I'm really excited about. And so part of it was, well, wait, let's talk about Lighthouse Keeper. And then part of it was, okay, well, let's talk about this in a book. And like, it was like, there's never been a book called Being Titled. There's never been a book titled that before. So that was like interesting. And then we're talking and it was like, how do you make the book better and stuff? And he's like, you've got a year to write. And that's, the weird thing like I stuck on that because it was a weird thing to say like yeah why do I have a year to write it like there's no so it, it just that and like uh, something else his his the president of his company because we ended up doing the, the mastermind at her house because of the pandemic and the quarantine like she was on with I was go I was going to go the next week to this conference in Florida on public speaking where you learn how to become a public speaker because I want to help that like I, I like speaking I like communicating ideas that way you're good at it <laughs> well, it got, we it got canceled and but at some point she was on the phone with the president of this person there was no correlation between the two right and i was like why is she on the phone with the people that i'm supposed to go see next week that just got canceled and i just kind of dismissed it well well it's like whatever they're, they're like they're they're very successful people they obviously communicate so maybe they have someone who's going to so come back from that write the first 22 pages i was going to use caligula who's a roman emperor who's like a narcissist, prove the point that we do stuff that doesn't make sense and we do it to prove a point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I was going to kind of lay out, I was going to lay out the argument that who we are is more important than what we do. And so I wrote the 22 pages and then I kind of like, I was happy with it, but I was like, I started doing the meditations from, I'd been doing the meditations from Dispenza and like my mind just opened up. Like yeah, I felt, I could feel like you can feel your, your third eye for people who don't know, it's not like some metaphysical thing. It's your pineal gland in the center of your head. But when you open it, like you feel it, like you can feel when your third eye is interacting with the world. Like it's not, it's not. And that's what his book kind of scientifically proves. So, I put the type, I put the Mac book aside and the Word document. And I got a journal and I started writing these two, these two beings, two different colored pens. It was almost like a text conversation, wow. except they were talking about the beginning of creation. And I wrote like the first version in a weekend. And it was like, it was weird because it was like where the words were in relation to each other on the page mattered. And it was just like, but it wasn't like, it was the first book. What I'll say was that started writing me. Like as an author, you want to find your voice, but like when you find your voice, then your voice starts to like tell you what the story is. And it's really kind of this beautiful, like I didn't realize it existed. Like I've heard people talk about that. Like if you've ever seen the movie or read the book, Pet Cemetery by Stephen King, the book is so terrifying. He didn't want to publish it. And he, and this is the guy who wrote it. He's like, I don't want to do this. And, and so like, so I was kind of having this moment where like, like I'm putting the pen down and like, I'm not sure what's going to come out until it comes out. Well, as the story evolved, I wrote another version the next weekend and it was now one voice was unconditional love and one voice was conditional love and there was no identity to them. 
one was sort of male, one was sort of female. Yeah. And then they started to come together. And then towards the end, there was a third voice. And that third voice was like the two voices together. It was like, I remember the two of them. And so it was like this really beautiful spiritual thing. And then it started to shape itself into, well, I'm one of the people in the book, sort of. And then there's another person on the planet who's another person in the book. And so it's like, well, how do I connect those two? And so it starts to look at like movies. Because again, fiction is history. Like fiction is a part of our history. We don't think of it as real, but the Avengers are real. Like I can go to a movie theater. I, like that's real. It's, they may not exist on this planet, but like when I was a kid, the Avengers were just a comic book. Like I had to go buy a thing and look at them. And you realize like when you talk about you manifest things and bring things into reality, well, that's what like, that's what creativity and imagination really is. And so the Avengers have gone from like poorly drawn characters in 1940 and 1960 to beautifully drawn characters in the eighties and nineties to some of them had TV shows or cartoons to Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Ruffalo. And you're like, that is so cool. And so, so it starts to all weave together. And then it's like, at some point you're like, well, all right, well, I don't fully know the story now because I'm kind of in the story. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful love story about what true love in the 21st century on planet Earth with 8 billion people would really look like. Wow. And like what that means for the world. And so I'm like, that's like, I can't, like, I've never, I never thought that I would write a book that to me is as beautiful as this book has made me feel. Oh. And that's what the third book is. I love oh my that. God. Well, we absolutely cannot wait to read it. Cannot wait. We can't <laughs> report back to you. <laughs> David. Oh, thank you. If you could tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would it be? You know, we think we make mistakes in life, but we don't make mistakes. We just, we we repeat things until we learn the lesson from that thing. And I look back at who that person was and the ambition and the hope. And like, you know, by that point, I knew I was going to be a Marine. I'm so glad, like, what I did. I'm so glad to have seen the world from a different lens. And yeah, like, I, 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 I treated people wrong sometimes, or I got treated wrong sometimes. But like, at the end of the day, you're just trying to figure out, again, who you are in order to figure out like in order to learn who you want to become and like once you set that relationship up Mm -hmm. then your life becomes very clear because like this is what's important to me because this is who I'm becoming and so in one sense yeah like do I wish I could have gone faster down the path like if I meditated more or something like because I used to meditate like even when I was in Somalia like I would I would meditate like I would because it's so hot like there was nothing else you do (laughs) even when you were even when you were still sometimes, like you would just feel the heat ripple because it was just, it was like it's like a degree or something off the equator. So I'd still, I go meditate, but like it's, you know, enjoy the journey, but the great, but the gift that I would offer to my 20 something self is the sooner you ask the tough questions, the sooner you can do the work to get to the beautiful answers. Wow. Let's get that on a quote somewhere. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, David, you have been so incredible. We've enjoyed this conversation with you. So much. So much. Really, our listeners are going to be... They're going to eat you up. Yeah, they're They're going to just love everything you have to say. So our last question for you is, if people want to work with you, if they want to connect with you, how can they they find you? Where can they do that? Where can they get the books? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. So uh, davidrichardsauthor.com. Uh, I'm on David Richards. I'm Instagram, David Richards Author. Uh, Facebook, Whiskey and Yoga. Twitter, I think is, I don't remember what Twitter is, but if you go to Instagram, I think you can connect there or something. I don't know. Definitely. Uh, and I'll link it all on the yeah, show notes yeah. so everyone can have easy access to my, it. My, my books are available there. I'm happy to speak to people. I'm offering like free coaching sessions now because I realize for a lot of people, the fatigue of like constantly being home or like having such a disruption to their lives is, you know, it, it creates stress. And part of the stress is because we have an expectation for how things should be. 
and we can't, we're not ready to completely accept how things actually are. And yeah. so um, coaching services available online. So I'm happy to speak to people. I'm happy to speak to groups, whatever, whatever's needed, but that's the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. awesome. David, thank, thank you, you so, much. so, so much. We absolutely love uh, it. My treat. <laughs> Likewise. Like, thank you so much. This has been like, this has been such a thrill for me. Like, I'm so excited that this happened and I'm so grateful for you both. I can't wait to come back and talk to you about my next book. Yeah, absolutely. We, really we can't that. wait. Thank you so much, David. Have thank a great you. night. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring 20s podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.